Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow is underway on this Thursday edition, kickoff edition of Power 5 college football. We've got it for you later today, tonight, and previews throughout the show today. Can't wait for that as we broadcast live here at 6th and Peabody with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine Jam Pack. Trey Wallace, reporter, college football, all things ball at outkick.com. He is in studio with us coming up in 20 minutes. Can't wait for that. Fantasy football know-it-all. Michael Fabiano is with Sports Illustrated. He joins us later this hour. Plus, Armando Salguero with the best news across the NFL, contract extensions and more as we are one week away from week one between Kansas City and Detroit on Thursday night. And Ryan Leaf in hour number three begins a weekly visit with us throughout the fall. Chad, good afternoon. Hutton, we're very close to the Ryman Auditorium here in downtown we Nashville. Are. When I walked in today, I half expected to have a Southern Gospel Choir greet us as we went on air because football season has finally Marching arrived. Man. Week zero, we tried to get ourselves pumped up about it. We tried to tell everyone that football is back, but we were kidding ourselves and we were kidding you. Football's back now, baby. It is back tonight. You've got good games all weekend. It's not the best opening weekend ever, but it's good. <laughs> and it's football games that matter. It's not preseason NFL, football games that matter. Starting tonight and this weekend, we are not going to have a weekend without college or NFL football and most weekends of both until February. That is a beautiful sight to behold. It sounded beautiful coming off my lips. It's, it's a good reminder that we are here. Football season has arrived and we're going to bring it today and every day. Join us in the chat live on YouTube. Just search out OutKick, and we hope you'll subscribe to the channel while you're there. Pound the like button, give us a thumbs up, and Chad is in the chat right now. Appreciate you being a part of this great radio station as well if you happen to be listening throughout the afternoon. As we hit the top headlines of the day, we start with college football, scorched earth, and one of those matchups, Chad, of the weekend you're discussing is actually kicking off tonight at 7 o'clock. Utah hosting Florida, home-and-home home series that we saw last year where Utah was a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in the swamp. Anthony Richardson tore them up, tore up the Utah defense. Florida held tough in the trenches as well against the Utah defense, and we didn't see much uh, from Cam Rising in this game last year. We won't see him either tonight because of his uh, ACL injury that he sustained. He's still coming back from that, and their backup also injured throughout camp. So the expectation is their third-string quarterback, junior Bryson Barnes, makes the start. We could also see a redshirt freshman rotate in. Uh, his name is Nate Johnson. So they're struggling at quarterback against the Gators, but the Gators have also swapped out quarterbacks. Richardson to the NFL, and Graham Mertz joins, who was just, eh, just very average at best. Uh, in the Big Ten, and now he's in the swamp with uh, expectations at Florida. It's rare, Chad, that we go into a season where it's just kind of like, uh, who really knows, but who cares? You know, in, in the second year for Billy Napier, 
This is a game, though, that we should circle that we'll look back on because while Utah went ahead and won the Pac-12 a year ago, Florida looked great in week one, and then they rode the wave of the season, up and down. They can't start by being embarrassed on the road with a third-string quarterback because their quarterback's not good enough. Yeah, it's look, I'll tell you who cares. Gators fans, they care. They care about this season. This is not a throwaway. I think nationally people are thinking, well, what is Graham Mertz exactly? What is this Florida team? I went to a Utah high school football correspondent of mine that's an expert in Utah high school football. And my Utah high school correspondent tells me that Bryson Barnes is an absolute Utah high school football legend. He's the all-time record holder in touchdown passes in high school football in the state of Utah. Three-time first-team All-State, sophomore, junior, senior season. And this Utah high school football expert said people should not doubt Bryson Barnes and this Utah offense and that the dumb money is going with Florida. Well, I'm here to tell you I put my dumb money down on Florida to win on the money line tonight because it's still a third-string quarterback. And last I checked, Utah high school football is not the standard bearer of high school football in this country, not really known as one of the best high school football states in our great union. So I think Florida wins this game. But going back to my Utah high school football expert, he says as long as Bryson Barnes does not turn it over, Utah can still run the football on Florida. And Graham Mertz is going against a very good Utes defense tonight. Could be a low-scoring game. We had Clay Travis on yesterday. He said take the under as one of his blood bank guarantees in this game. Uh, I think that's probably a smart bet. Yeah. But either way, Hutton, I'm excited to see these two teams square off and see how Florida responds to that physicality they're going to see in this game. And it is going to be a fired-up and loud atmosphere in Salt Lake City with, a, with an SEC program, especially – the caliber of the Florida Gators, multiple national championship winning program coming to play them in their place. And knowing what happened last year, Pac-12 champ lost to a very average to mediocre Florida team a year ago. And that's the expectation now for the Florida program. And it's a Florida team with Graham Mertz at quarterback, but they're returning running backs. They had the fourth highest uh, rushing performance in program history, the best rushing performance in a season since 2009. They averaged five and a half yards per carry. Point being, I like the underplay that uh, Clay mentioned yesterday. Head over to DraftKings Sportsbook and make that because Florida's going to run the football and slow this game down a bit. And can Graham Mertz just sustain consistency and not lose the game for Florida because they're going to try to run it to win it against that Utah defense that held several opponents, uh, more than one hand counting, to less than 100 yards rushing a, a year ago. Kyle Whittingham as well against... Billy Napier will be interesting because Whittingham, I think, will do random things at the quarterback position tonight. That's what makes yeah. it really peculiar. Uh, I mean, look, the if you're following the SC, it, it depends on your your point of view in this game. If you're following this, thinking there's one team that won a conference championship last year, and it's not the SEC team that's playing in this game, it's Utah. So let's see if they're good enough to do that again and be a team that's capable of beating Caleb Williams and USC twice like they did a year ago, if it's that good of a team. The other side of this to me is I'm watching Graham Mertz every snap because it wasn't all bad at Wisconsin, but it was bad enough that Wisconsin felt like they got their five-star quarterback out of high school, Hmm. and when they got him, he was just kind of okay. 
after that first game when he was a starting quarterback as a true freshman at Wisconsin and he was great in that game, the the expectations were sky high for him as a Badger. He didn't live up to that. Now, is that just not living up to unrealistic expectations and he's actually a really good quarterback and when he gets a fresh start, he's going to show that? Or is he not cut out for the Big Ten, much less the SEC? And we're going to start to see that tonight. I'm, I'm fascinated to watch Graham Mertz open up his tenure as Gator quarterback in this hostile environment on the road on a Thursday night. Speaking of environments, Chad, the expectation is tonight 90,000 Nebraska Cornhuskers fans will pack their stadium for Volleyball Day in Nebraska. That was last night. That oh, was the last night, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, they, And the, the expectation was pack it to break the record of what? 18,000 is well, what so they, Wisconsin they, had? They had two different goals in mind. I, I, I got fixated on this last night. It was on Big Ten Network, and I could not turn away from 16, it. 16,833 was, really cool. was the record for volleyball. Volleyball record. Now, the women's sports record, I believe, was in the Rose Bowl in the Brandy Chastain World Cup final. 90,185. 92,000 is what they went for last night. So they set a record for most highest attended women's sporting event ever. And it was just based on trying to break the record and having volleyball day. Right, the, it, it was yeah. I mean, I they think had it was, multiple matches. It was an attempt to. Um, you know what I thought about though? With this fan base, think about if Matt Rule goes in and has success. I was thinking the same thing, and I'm also watching the the post game to this, and they turn the lights off and have like a laser show. They had a drone show that made all this stuff in the air, and and all the coaches talking, the AD, and, and everyone is like this is a volleyball state, and we have proven that tonight. And it is. I mean, it's a huge deal in the state of Nebraska. Uh, it's, it's a big volleyball state, but I'm kind of with you. I'm thinking, if Nebraska I don't know that we would have back- said that in the 90s when Lawrence Phillips was steamrolling people and Tom Osborne was winning games 55-3 to with regularity that we would have proclaimed the Cornhusker state a volleyball state. It's a statement of how bad they've been in football. And it's also on the eve of them opening their season with Matt Rule as coach at Minnesota the night before yes. they break an all-time attendance record for a women's sporting event. It makes it Crazy even, night. even crazier is that Scott Frost didn't have success there with the fan base as crazy as they are about all things Huskers. It's also proof that Nebraska, and this is not uh, in any way a knock, it's just a fact, that you are one of the whitest states in America when a women's volleyball game gets 92,000 people and you, you can't get support for your men's basketball program. And women's volleyball is that much bigger than men's basketball. Proof that Nebraska is one of the lily whitest states in the country. I, I, can, I can vouch for that. I, I visit there. And it's a lot of... Uh, in the heartland. It's a lot of Nordic people in the state of Nebraska that love their volleyball. Chad, we, we did see the meetings take place for certain aspects of rules changes and votes for the college football playoff. But they're not, they're not going to give us an answer on how they're going to handle the Pac-12, not being the Pac-12, and the setup and structure for the expanded college football playoff when they move to 12 teams until the dust settles with the ACC. The ACC presidents were scheduled to meet earlier this week, but due to the school shooting at, at North Carolina, they were not able to hold that meeting expectations are we'll get Trey's take on this that we may 
have that set up with the ACC coming up maybe tomorrow soon. They're going to meet again soon. So the college football playoff directors are waiting until they make a determination on the six automatic champions. Are they going to move to five automatic and go with seven at large? There will be some pushback from that because the expectation would be it's probably an extra Big Ten or SEC program that gets in as that seventh at large. We'll wait and see. What they did vote on, they, they allowed stipends for families for every round of the expanded college football playoff, which should be a no-brainer. And they started to discuss the position of uh, Bill Hancock's uh, position of the director of the postseason play. He's retiring after next year. So we wait. Wait and see. I think they moved to five and seven. And the Pac-12 is no more after the ACC adds Stanford and Cal and maybe even SMU. It's a logical move. They're going to have to change it in some way. It's also the right move to just sit back and say, let's, let's make sure there's nothing else crazy happening here. Let's let all the oscillation that's taken place this last offseason settle down and make sure no one else is looking to make a move, and yeah. then we'll make our decision on how the new playoff format's going to look. That's the, that's the right decision. The Vikings have extended their tight end, uh, TJ Hawkinson. Of course, he came across to Minnesota in a trade via Detroit. He is now the highest-paid tight end in NFL history, an average of $17.5 million per season now, four-year contract worth up to sixty-eight but a $42.5 million guarantee. And if you're curious about this deal, keep in mind, they're open and everything's on the table with them saying, we are trying to get Justin Jefferson extended as well before the season begins next week when we go into week one. With that in mind, I think with this Hawkinson deal and with the contract that they're going to get Jefferson under, This is all but telling us Kirk Cousins is on the final year of his contract already. He's not coming back because with the big money going towards the the salary cap structure moving forward, they will put the majority of this contract on next year's deal when the new TV money comes in and they could potentially just go with a rookie quarterback and have a rookie quarterback salary, which is already locked in for at least the first three seasons before you extend that guy. Curious to see what they do next. I, I'm with you on this is a sign that – and we knew this was Kirk Cousins. Not really a prove-it year. Just go out and play the way you have and let's see what Minnesota decides on your future. But which route they take because with Justin Jefferson and now TJ Hawkinson, if both those guys are locked in, you've got great pass targets for someone. So I'm not saying you're wasting that, but do you go down to a rookie quarterback that's probably a late first-round pick based on what be. the Vikings should be this year? Or are or you, you trying up. to sell the farm to move up and yeah. go two, three, four in the draft and draft a, a quarterback? Or are you going scrap heap? Maybe you're trying to work a trade a la the Broncos for Russell Wilson, something in, in line with that. A lot of tough decisions moving forward for the Vikings. And it does look like a really solid quarterback for them. And Kirk Cousins is going to be playing his last season as a Viking. Chad, we mentioned last week that Wander Franco, the uh, – very good player with the Rays. Uh, he's on the suspended list uh, because of the accusations of an inappropriate relationship with a minor. Uh, a second accusation came out separate and apart from the first, and now a third uh, is also there uh, against the, the Rays star. We said last week this would not be the last, the second accusation, and they continue to come in 
as he sits and waits for this process to, to play out. Uh, and this is all through ESPN's Jeff Passan. It's bad. I mean, it's bad for him. It's bad for Tampa. When you started seeing those reports from, and, and I forget the name of the reporter, but different people who cover Latin America baseball and Major League Baseball, that once the first allegation came out that said this isn't going to be the last, and it's likely that he's played his last game as a Major League Baseball player, you knew this thing could get really ugly. And authorities in the Dominican Republic are scheduled to meet with him in the coming weeks. There's no date on that that's at least public. Uh, but the you know the third accuser here, um, it, makes, it does make you ha- have to ask the question, is this guy going to return to baseball? How does Major League Baseball handle this once authorities handle this? On their end. It's going to be tough so, right now based on the allegations and there's not a lot of uh, disputes going on yeah. with it. It is a Power 5 Thursday night across college football. Outkick reporter Trey Wallace joins us in studio, plus Armando Salguero, Michael Fabiano, Ryan Leaf, a jam-packed Thursday edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Stick with us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow here across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us, which includes live streaming on our YouTube channel. Just search out Outkick, hit subscri- subscribe, pound the like button. Uh, and share us as well. Let us let us uh, be a part of your weekday afternoons, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern, uh, streaming live across the social platforms. Football is back tonight. College football, Florida and Utah. Nebraska opens up in conference play as well against Minnesota. We've got a, a lot to discuss with Trey Wallace and a, a lot to take a look at with DraftKings Sportsbooks. Now is the time. It's the perfect moment uh, to take your shot with DraftKings if you haven't already. If you're a first-time user at DraftKings Sportsbook, an exclusive deal for you. Begin by depositing as little as $5 in your sportsbook account, and then you can turn that into 200 Here's how you make your first bet of $5 or more on any game. And the kicker is you not only get your cash winnings from your bet, you also instantly pocket 200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Those bonus bets, they roll in as eight separate $25 bonus bets, so you get plenty of chances to up your game. Terms and conditions apply. You've got to be 21 or older in a legal betting state. Gambling, gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And if you're ready to play, you can head over to outkick.com slash bet. Outkick.com slash bet. It is your one-stop shop for all things betting content. And your stop for all things college football, Trey Wallace, who's in studio with us here in Music City. Trey, uh, always good to have you on, especially live in studio. How are you, man? I'm good. Glad I got to uh, come over to Nashville for a couple of days. And I'll, you know, if I'm going to be here, I'm going to stop by and see everybody and uh, and hop on the show. So uh, I'm happy, man. We you know, Last weekend was kind of like an appetizer. Yes. Uh, tonight. Very is, much so. Tonight is like the starting of the full course, you know, little little primer. Then tomorrow night's another little primer. Saturday, we get the whole fudge. And then Sunday, we get the dessert, the real dessert. So it's, it's just going to be a fun weekend. I'm excited. First off, welcome to our fair city. Always great to have you here. It's good to be back. 
what will the welcome be like for Graham Mertz tonight for, for Florida? Because I'm, I'm all in on watching what he looks like in Billy Napier's offense. And what a test right out of the gates for him. Yeah, I, I, look, t- coming from Wisconsin, he, he's seen it all. Um, he's been at venues. He's playing at tough venues. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how much the Utah crowd, and I'm really challenging the Utah crowd right now by saying this, will get to Graham Mertz. But I do think that, you know, this is one of them opportunities for Florida and Billy Napier. They really need to start the season off with a win. Like last season, we saw what happened with Anthony Richardson, the way that he was able to drive that team down the field. They, they snagged the win away from Utah. But then you saw where their season went. I think when it comes to this game, you're not playing Cam Rising. So if you can't go out there and you can't beat a Utah team that's starting a former walk-on, a quarterback, what do you really have – in this defensive unit. And I think this sets up like the rest of the season too, because Florida's schedule is not easy. So if you leave Utah, there's two things that that I look at this was leave Utah with a field goal loss. Okay. That's fine. You can find some momentum. You go get beat by two touchdowns or 17 points tonight. I think it changes what the outlook looks like for the future and for the Florida fans and all the big donors. They're going to be mad. And look at it from the PAC 12 perspective, Utah, Needs this. They can't lose to uh, Florida again like they did last year if they want to make it to the college football playoff. Pac-12 champ, back-to-back years. Last year, nothing to show for it. Um, So, I mean, from from their perspective in the final year of the Pac-12, it would mean quite a bit for Utah to go three-peat as the champ and actually get into the four-team playoff in the final year of that setup as we know it. Well, I'm sure George Kilikoff is... Kaloff, however you say his last name, is uh, uberly excited for tonight. I haven't heard from him in a while. No, he haven't. He, he did one of those things yesterday in Dallas. I was told by a buddy who was there covering the CFP meetings, and uh, he did one of those, I got to catch, catch a flight. I got to go. And he just ran by everybody. Very busy. Trying to, right. Try, look, tonight is big for, for Utah and the Pac-12 because I do think once Cam Rising does return, they're going to What's the timetable on that? I, I, I still – look, he's, that ACL tear was in – what the Rose Bowl? So right there around yeah. January first, right around this time, you would think. Yeah. But the fact that they technically haven't cleared him yet, and they might be cleared Monday to play next weekend. Um, I, I just think that you know them also going through fall camp, working with the other quarterbacks, and Cam Rising wasn't taking the one snaps. I think that goes a long way. Um, now, if he was ready to go and cleared, he played tonight. I think that's obvious, but. Overall, you know, Utah's got some work to do, and uh, I think getting him back sooner rather than later, you know, will help, you know, the Utes potentially play for a Pac-12 championship. You know, just uh, just a side note here, Chad, Trey, this is the example of why we need injury reports in college football. Um, Whitting- Whittingham did call him doubtful, you right. know, like, like you would here in, in the NFL. Yes. And we're going to see that in the Big Ten. We're not going to see it across the board in the SEC. I'm simply saying, if we if we didn't know who was going, someone would, and that would be an advantage for the the betting apps, and yeah. th- that's what the focus is with the Big Ten. Well, I think you know it had been broken sometime tonight. You know, thirty yeah. minutes thirty minutes before kickoff, and then the line would have go crazy for those last thirty minutes. But the but line I, the line did open at like nine right. this off season. Now it's at five. Yeah. So I mean, you know, people are, people are going to get lucky if if they got them at nine. Yeah. You know, and something like. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. And I, and I think we're getting to that point. Brian Kelly's doing it at LSU. Big Ten's implementing it. I think all down the road we're going to start doing it just for the integrity of the sport. Other great games, Chad. Uh, yeah, 
hopefully UNC South Carolina lives up to some of the hype. There's not a lot of huge high-profile games this weekend, but some really quality ones. I would put this on the level of big, high-profile Saturday night games. What do you think about Drake May versus Spencer Rattler and how big this game is for both teams where only one of them currently is ranked in the top 25, and that's North Carolina? Look, I, I, look, I think the LSU-Florida State game is going to be good because of the magnitude of it. You look at a top two top ten teams playing in Orlando. Okay, whatever. I think South Carolina and North Carolina could be the game of the weekend. Um, I think when you put Spencer Rattler up against Drake May, let's see if we get the same Spencer that we saw the last three games of the season of 2022. You got a new offense coordinator in Dow Loggins. Drake May, who, you know, you guys know because you, you follow the NFL so much, you know, this is a guy that they're looking at. Could he be a top five, top ten draft pick? a quarterback next season. And, and so you put that two together, the quarterback matchup, and you put North Carolina, South Carolina together, we're just we're just bound for something crazy. And with Shane Beamer, there usually seems to be something wild that happens in the South Carolina game. They're playing this in Charlotte. Um, it's not a home-and-home home type of thing. And, and I think that's going to add to the atmosphere. So, I mean, Saturday night at 7.30, I, I'm looking forward to this one because this is – I honestly think that you take the other games away – uh, even what you're getting that night, I don't think Penn State or West Virginia is going to match up with it. So I think all eyes are going to be on Gamecocks and Tar Heels. So I am interested in Penn State, West Virginia. I'm glad you mentioned them um, for you a couple will. of reasons. One, it's a debut of NBC's Big Ten package. Yeah. So we get to see what that broadcast looks like for the first time. And two, I mean, don't we already know that Neil Brown's going to get fired, or do we? How close is that game? How much does it even matter at this point for a coach that is his Mountaineers are picked dead last in the Big 12? And I've got Penn State going to the playoffs. So I, I, I think, look, this is a – first off, the NBC thing. It's going to be a lot different this year for folks. Folks have got – Saturday needs to be a, a trial run for you guys at home with your remote controls and how you're going to flip around. Ohio State's playing on CBS at 3.30 Eastern, 2.30 Central time on Saturday. You got Penn State playing on NBC that night. Also on CBS, I think, is 11 a.m. Central time Sunday morning, Northwestern and Rutgers on CBS on on Sunday. Two Big Ten games for the weekend because of the new contract. So I'm very interested to see what it looks like um, compared to the SEC not being the only one on CBS. And then you know NBC – how are they going to change this up? What are, they, what are you going to do to drive viewers in? Because you got to drive viewers in for a West Virginia versus Penn State game. I think that's obvious. But I, I look, West Virginia. What Neil Brown can can run an offense. Uh, the problem is he, he doesn't have a, a two deep that can keep up with Penn State. Now I think this game could be close in the in the first half. You know, a touchdown, ten points, and then Penn State breaks away from it in the second half. But it is intriguing to get this type of matchup. Uh, on the first weekend. And, you know, I was kind of hoping that West Virginia would be a little bit better. Neil Brown, I know Neil Brown very well. Uh, coach down at Troy, down there in my neck of the woods. And, you know, it could, probably will be the last season for him in Morgantown. And then they're going to have to decide, hey, do we go get Rich Rod, who looks like he's turned things around or turning things around at Jacksonville State in their first season in Conference USA? Rich Rod. <laughs> right? Uh, <laughs> S- Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, Trey. Yeah. Uh, beginning uh, the final year in the Big 12, everyone against them. Uh, it's them versus the world, if you hear them talk. Uh, and they've already circled the Bama game, rightfully so. That's coming up a week from Saturday under the lights in Tuscaloosa. And Quinn Ewers returns at quarterback. 
What do you make of their schedule and the run that Sark needs to get the momentum from the Texas faithful behind him in the same way the Big 12, they don't want Texas winning the conference, and they're openly admitting it from the commissioner down. If you put Brett Yormack to a lie detector test, he would fail if he said, I want Texas to win the Big 12 on the way out. He doesn't. None of, none of the teams do. Dana Holgerson comes out this week. Screw them was his comments about Texas. Brett Yormack last week in front of the Texas Tech Booster Club, it was an yeah. event going on, said, you know what, pretty much he said, I'll be rooting for Texas Tech against Texas in the final game. Everybody's going to get their shots in. And what this does is Steve Sarkeesian's got enough bulletin board material right now to last a whole season. Every school in the Big 12 is going to give him their best game. But look, I, I think Texas is, is good enough. I think Texas is good enough to go in there and beat Alabama next week. I think when you add A.D. Mitchell at wide receiver from Georgia and you got Quinn Ewers at quarterback, I know what they have to replace at running back. But this is like this is one of those seasons where Steve Sarkeesian needs to win a conference title. I think it's now been like 5,030 days since Texas has won the Big 12 championship. That's a long time for a school with that much heritage and history in the conference. And what better way to lead the Big 12, to walk out the door with a middle finger in the air, is to win a conference championship. And, and look, Texas is going to be up there. I don't, like, I don't think Oklahoma is going to give them a run this year. I think if anybody does, it might be Baylor, TCU, something along those lines. But this schedule plays out for them. And, you know, we know they got to go on the road and, and play in the Cotton Bowl game against Oklahoma. But, um, you know, Baylor and, Tech, Baylor and TCU, two games that they'll play on the road, I, I think that they can get through it. And this could be the year Texas finally makes a playoff run comes November. Trey, you're here in Nashville for Tennessee and Virginia. What are you looking forward to seeing the most in, in this matchup? 28-point spread in this game. Virginia has some issues, but from either perspective or both, what are you paying attention to the most? I want to see if, if Joe Milton has really, really picked up this offense um, in a sense of the tempo. Uh, what what Tennessee's offensive line looks like with a banged-up Cooper Mays, who's not going to play on Saturday. They're not risking that. He's not going to play. Starting center for Tennessee. They're having to move some guys around. Ollie Lane's going to move around. He's playing center and whatnot. Um, but the biggest thing to me is Let's see if let's see if there's that drop off. Look what Tennessee lost at wide receiver last year. You know, you lost Jalen Hyatt and you lost Sed Tillman. Uh, but now you're going to bring in and, and you're keeping Romel Keaton and Squirrel White. And by the way, Brew McCoy's right there. Uh, and don't forget Dante Thornton, the transfer from Oregon. I, I just this this Tennessee game to me could line things up for them if they can come out and play that up tempo. And and Josh Heupel, they don't have many problems and whatnot get up by, you know, 20, 24 points, and then really put your foot on their throat. Um, along with Virginia, I mean, lost their star defensive lineman. Um, there's going to be a lot of emotions in this game as well. Virginia's first game back since the tragic shooting of last year that lost lives um, uh, of student athletes. A lot of going to go into it uh, the first, you know, 15, 20 minutes of this game. But I expect Tennessee to, to, to come out and, and take care of business. Um Thank goodness, you know, that game's going on. It just happened to be in town the next couple of days, so I'll get to uh, at least see what they do in the first half. And if you're a fan going to the game, by the way, just a heads up, uh, there's going to – I didn't know this. The city of Nashville uh, on the first of every month does a tornado or, like, siren alarm uh, at noon. Yeah, the um, test. Yeah, they do the test. Uh, that's going to happen during the uh, Tennessee-Virginia game, and it's going to go off in Nissan Stadium, so don't freak out 
when that alarm starts happening, uh, probably after the first quarter. Uh, maybe that's the touchdown alarm. <laughs> Yeah. That's what Tennessee fans hope. Exactly. Uh, Tennessee hey, fans think it's just Virginia's uh, final deal. Final minute here. We yeah. we get to kick off the primetime schedule of Deion Sanders in Colorado. Yes. I don't think it's going to be pretty, though, and I think some will be like, what? what? This is this is the early result? Yeah. TCU and Nebraska straight out of the gate starting this Saturday. Yeah, look, it, it's the, the buildup's going to be exciting. It's gonna, yeah. you know, it they, has been. They're going to be, spend two hours on college football kickoff show on Fox. They're going to build up Colorado, build up Colorado, and then you're probably going to tune in the third quarter, and it's going to be a 17 to 20 point game. TCU is going to be winning. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Why am I paying attention? But Colorado does have players. And, and I think that they're too deep, is what their problem is, guys. Everything's good, but, but everything. Every camera that you see on Fox on Saturday, it's going to be pinned in on Deion Sanders. Not Sonny Dykes, the team to play for a NAS championship, but Deion Sanders. Going to be fun to watch. Great weekend ahead. And post game pressers. With prime time. Bring it on. I'm excited. With success or failure throughout the season. Trey, always excited to have you on, man. Thanks for coming in the studio. Love it, guys. Thanks for having me. Full coverage from Trey, college football reporter at outkick.com. Coming up, do's and don'ts for your fantasy football league draft, sleeper picks, and who to avoid. Michael Fabiano joins us next on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. College football returns tonight and a week from tonight, the NFL. Glad you're with us for Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. We're there, Hutton. We if made it. If you're smart, your fantasy football draft has not happened yet. Allow rosters and 53-man uh, cuts to, to happen, and then go into Labor Day weekend and have your draft. The do's and don'ts, sleepers, who to avoid. We're going to get all of that information right now. Michael Fabiano joins us. Sports Illustrated, senior fantasy analyst, all things fantasy football. He's been doing it before we could even do it on computers. Uh, Michael, thank you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, everything's good, man. I uh, just moved to Florida, actually, and uh, nice. there's a little storm going through right now, but uh, yeah. everything is good. Very busy, as you can imagine. No no doubt. Uh, and we look forward to doing this uh, weekly with you, uh, for sure. Um, you agree. This is the weekend to have your fantasy draft. Nothing before. I mean, I can't say I, I've had already sure. probably 10 drafts, but I've it got another for four you. coming. But yeah, for the most part, this is the best weekend to have it. Uh, Labor Day weekend, because the cuts have already happened. You know, there's going to be a few signings here and there, but for the most part, we know exactly what the depth charts look like and who's battling who and who's first and who's second. And, uh, the injuries, Jonathan Taylor, that whole situation came to uh, came to somewhat of a fruition there um, in Indianapolis. So we've got most of the info that we need. Uh, right now and again one more week until we kick off Detroit and Kansas City are you drafting Taylor in your drafts and stashing him for later this season I have not drafted him at all because that situation just scares me and you know uh, in the fantasy world we scare easy especially with <laughs> stuff like this it just didn't look like a good situation it didn't sound like a good situation neither side's real thrilled with the other and I don't even know that Taylor is going to play for the Colts when he comes back and after four games, is he ready to come back? We're not sure with this ankle situation. 
And whether or not this is really an ankle injury or if it's in a air quotes ankle injury because he's not real thrilled with the situation in terms of his contract. So I've seen two drafts since the news broke. One was a 10 team league and he went in round nine. And then I did a mock draft for sports illustrated and he went in a 12 team league in round seven. And that's about where he's going to go. Now he's a very much a risk reward proposition. And when he was being rumored uh, to have been potentially getting traded I didn't really think there was going to be a trade partner that would offer what the Colts want. I avoided him because he was going in the third, fourth round. And that's just too rich for my blood for a guy as great as he is may not play much this season. We just don't know. Should people also avoid Russell Wilson in their fantasy draft? Or was that a one year blip on the radar? And now you got a new coach coming in. That's going to fix everything. I don't think they're avoiding Russell Wilson overall. I think they're avoiding Russell Wilson as a top 12 quarterback, which he's been for most of his career. Last year was just bad. I mean, it was awful. He had maybe one or two good games from a fantasy perspective. Everything else was so disappointing. He was in the waiver wire uh, in some leagues. And I mean, this is a guy who is always in the top 12 in fantasy points during his time in Seattle. The hope is, as you mentioned, that Sean Payton can turn things around. But things have not started out well with their wide receivers, right? Tim Patrick's out for the year. KJ Hamler's got the heart situation. Uh, Jerry Judy's got the hamstring, so he's going to be out for a bit. So not a great start in terms of the talent there. But if anybody can turn Russell Wilson around, it will be Sean Payton. But Russell right now doesn't come with a lot of risk because you're not going to have to draft him until round 10, round 11 as a number two quarterback, not a number one from a fantasy perspective. Michael Fabiano with us from SI, the senior fantasy analyst. And we're giving you uh, inside info from Michael on who to draft, maybe some sleepers down the road. And let's get into the Fab Five here on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. The top sleeper targets, and it starts at quarterback, Michael, and a second-year QB. I really like Kenny Pickett. I I like what I've seen from him in the preseason. There's also a trend of second-year quarterbacks. There's been at least one since 2015 in every year but one who's broken out. You can go back to Blake Bortles. I mean, you remember him? Wow. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, every single Carson Wentz. We've seen a second year quarterback come out and put up great numbers. And I think that quarterback's going to be Pickett this year. Uh, a, a guy that has got a good offensive line now in front of him. He's got a year of experience under his belt in the NFL. Uh, watch him become potentially a low QB1 this season, not only for your fantasy football team, but for those Steelers fans out there. They're going to be pretty happy, I think. The running back position may be undervalued by teams out there, but not necessarily fantasy owners. Uh, Rashad White in Tampa, James Cook in Buffalo. What type of value do both those backs bring a fantasy owner? So what are we looking for, right? Clear path to workload. Rashad White has a clear path to workload in Tampa Bay. I know the team's probably not going to be great. The offensive line's got question marks, but who else is there? Chase Edmonds, Keyshawn Vaughn. Rashad White's got the easiest path to workload in that backfield. And even if the team is bad, he's still going to get touches. So I feel like Rashad White, who's being drafted between rounds five and seven, depending on where you're drafting in terms of where your league is, uh, how many teams are in your league, he could be a bargain. And then James Cook is a player who's really risen up rankless. Damian Harris is there in Buffalo, but he's always hurt. Uh, Didn't do much in the preseason. And I know James Cook is not your prototypical featured back, and I don't think he'll be as good as his brother, Dalvin. But in that Buffalo offense, he could catch 50, 60 passes out of the backfield. And in a full point PPR league, even a half point, uh, he's going to be a valuable asset who you can get in round six, round seven, 
of your draft. Fabs five with uh, Michael Fabiano. Uh, two wide receivers round out our five. Uh, Jahan Dotson in Washington, and we'll head back to Pittsburgh with George Pickens. And Dotson's a player that a lot of people in the fantasy industry are very high on. He had seven touchdowns last year as a rookie. Was inconsistent overall. Uh, hard to start him. But now the commanders, I mean, that offense could be pretty good in the passing game. Uh, Terry McLaurin's got a toe injury right now, so maybe he misses the start of the season. We'll see. Uh, that would help Dotson even more. But I, I'm a Cowboys fan, and I kind of like watching Sam Howell out there in the preseason. He looked pretty good. Uh, and even the commanders are not as good as we thought. Negative game scripts could be our friends from a fantasy standpoint, uh, which means throwing the ball more. And Dotson's certainly shown uh, that he could be a red zone threat. And then George Pickens, he's an athletic freak. Uh, and Deontay Johnson's probably the wide receiver to draft in Pittsburgh first, but Pickens could be a better bargain. You could get him somewhere in the seventh, eighth round, somewhere in that territory. And I don't know how consistent he'll be because there's a lot of miles to feed in that offense, but I think he's going to have some really good games where he pops and potentially uh, could end up being a relatively reliable flex starter for you, or maybe even a wide receiver too. Uh, I can't wait to see the next acrobatic catch that this kid makes. Uh, and I'm sure they're probably printing up pick it to Pickens t-shirts in the steel city all over the place. Cause those guys are going to connect a lot. We're passing there. If I have the number one pick, do I take Christian McCaffrey? You don't uh, it's Justin Jefferson. And this comes from a running backs truther. I've been playing yeah. fantasy for a long time. I love running backs. I love them. I, I used to love drafting Marshall Falk and LaDainian Tomlinson back in the day and Sean Alexander priest Holmes. I could keep going, but you know where I'm going this year. It's not the case. Uh, wide receivers have really risen up. Now McCaffrey is, if you want to stick with the running backs, he's the consensus top running back, no question. Austin Eckler's two. But I'm going wide receiver, and I'm going heavy wide receiver. I've been in drafts where I've gone three picks in a row where they've all been wideouts, and I've waited to take running backs until rounds five or six and beyond. And that is 100% against what I've been about for the 23 years I've been doing this. But I see the writing on the wall. And there's better running backs available in the middle rounds. Why? People are targeting wide receivers often in the early rounds. Kelsey's coming off the board in the first round. You're seeing more quarterbacks come off the board in the, in the first three rounds, uh, including Mahomes and Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts. And that's leaving some good upside running backs, like a couple of the guys I mentioned, Rashad White, James Cook, still on the board in those sixth and seventh rounds. So and this is for PPR leagues. I don't know anybody right. out there who's playing standard leagues, but if you're getting points for catches, you got to load up on those wide receivers. It is a different world that we're living in, my friends. So if it's Jefferson, is it is it Hill and Adams, the other two? Who are the other two of the three first-round wideouts there? It's going to be first JJ, then Jamar Chase. Okay. And then it really depends on are you worried about Cooper Cup and the hamstring injury. I mean, he's tremendous when he plays. If you're afraid of that, maybe you go with Tyreek Hill, but it's going to be Cooper Cup, then Tyreek Hill, then I have CeeDee Lamb fifth. And that's not me being a Cowboys hawk, or maybe a little. I just love the upside in that offense. I think they're going to throw the ball more this year without Zeke. And you've got A.J. Brown, who's going to be a first-round pick as well. A lot of wide receivers are rising up, and I didn't even mention Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, all these yeah. guys. Uh, warrant first round consideration of the Jets pass catchers not named Garrett Wilson who are you highest on as a big time connection with Aaron Rodgers I don't know that there is a big time connection beyond Garrett Wilson but I'd get Alan Lazard because he knows uh, Rodgers tendencies from their time together in Green Bay but Garrett Wilson's the big the big prize there for the Jets especially with Brees Hall uh, now having to compete with Dalvin Cook 
in that offense, it's the Garrett Wilson show. He finished 21st last year in points among wide receivers in PPR leagues. And I think he could be in the top 12 this year. He was barely in the top 30 in points per game among wide receivers. He will be much better and break out this year with Rodgers under center. Remember, he was catching passes from Joe Flacco, Mike White, and uh, that that guy from BYU, Zach Wilson. Uh, not exactly a great trio. Now he's got a future Hall of Famer throwing him the football. So the sky is the limit there uh, for Garrett Wilson in New York. Michael Fabiano with us on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. So the the top tight ends are no-brainers here with Kelsey and Kittle. Uh, but the highest paid, now Hawkinson in Minnesota, and uh, we've got Waller now in New York. When do you grab those two? Hawkinson's probably going to come off the board in round four or five, and Waller will probably come off the board in round five or six. And again, it depends on the size of your league and where you're drafting. Hawkinson was great last year in Minnesota. Uh, if you look at his numbers from just the games that he played with the Vikings, he would have been on pace for about 900 yards, uh, which is tremendous from a tight end. He gets into the end zone, a lot of catches. The Vikings throw the ball a ton. So Hawkinson is my third best tight end. I have obviously Kelsey one and Andrews at number two. And then you mentioned Darren Waller. It's all about health with him. Yeah. If he can avoid injuries, he's going to have 800 yards in his sleep. But he has been injury prone the last couple of years. But if you look at the, the very small sample size that we saw in the preseason, like Daniel Jones is going to throw on the ball like every other pass that he throws. Uh, Waller is going to be a very highly targeted player. It's all about the injuries. If you can stay healthy, he's going to be a stud. Final minute here. We went through your sleepers. Who do you stay away from? Who worries you the most? I never say never with anybody. Because if I can get a player, even if I don't like him, in a, a, a draft round where I'm comfortable, I'll take him. But, you know, Alvin Kamara is going to miss three games this year. He's not an elite running back anymore. He hasn't been since Drew Brees retired. If I could get him in round six or seven as maybe an RB2 flex, I'll take him there. Uh, getting the discount, of course, with the three games missed. You know, Miles Sanders, a lot of people are talking about him having a good year in Carolina. Almost 50% of his games have resulted in fewer than 10 fantasy points. Like, that stinks. He's so inconsistent. Uh, and uh, you also got to look at Mike Evans. Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask is going to be throwing him the ball all year long. And it looks like it's going to be Baker Mayfield, at least in week one. That's a huge step down from Tom Brady, folks. I mean, like that, that concerns me. And then Michael Pittman Jr., who we all like to break out last year, he had a lot of catches, but he didn't have a lot of touchdowns and the yards left something to be desired. And as much as I love Anthony Richardson as a potential breakout quarterback, it's because of his mobility. He's got a lot of answers uh, that are questions that need to be answered, excuse me, as a passer. And he's going to go through his growing pains. And that really makes me worry about the Colts passing game. And in particular, Michael Pittman. So if you could get him as a low three or a flex, I would take him. But I'm not expecting big numbers like we all thought he would have last year uh, with Matt Ryan under center. Boy, were we wrong on that. Final 30 here. Uh, Chad and I are coming up with a fantasy football punishment. Well, what's the best one you've heard? <laughs> I don't know if I could say it on the air. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> some of the funnier ones. I've heard of people having to dress up as a baby diaper and bonnet and go into a Denny's and eat dinner with a stuffed animal in the chair uh, opposite them. I've heard of people having to do combine drills in their boxer shorts. Uh, there's some other ones. I don't know if I want to mention on the air. Uh, you can always have some fun. I did this with Scott Hansen from red zone years ago when I was at NFL network, I basically 
played in a matchup with Scott. And I said, dude, if I beat you, you have to stand in front of the NFL network building with a big sign that says I lost to Fabiano in fantasy football. And he had to do that. Uh, that's one of like the, the easier ones to do, but there's some other ones that are a lot more brutal than that, that I'm not going to get into. Michael Fabiano never loses uh, the do it all and know it all fantasy football. Great. For Thank SI. you, man. We look forward to this each week, Michael. Thank you so much. Appreciate ma'am. it, Michael. Thanks guys. Take care. Coming up. Chris Ballard discussing Jonathan Taylor, and he compared quarterbacks for some odd reason. That's next.